floors. You may be seated in the house of God. If you're glad to be in church, can I hear a hallelujah? Woo, let's go. Good to see everybody here. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We are in a sermon series in the second service on Hebrews. How many have been enjoying it? Nobody? You all just searching scriptures? How many have enjoyed learning about Hebrews? I don't take it personal. Joe B., you already preached. We could end the service right now. How many thought Joe B. did an amazing job? Amen. This is the uh, second service series, Book of Hebrews. We're at the last chapter, and hopefully today we can close it out. You never know what's going to happen, but uh, maybe we can close out this section at least. How many think we can do it? I know, at least this section, let's just do it. But you know what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon me? See, I believe in Pentecostal preaching. That means we believe in being led by the Spirit, not just by our notes. See, you have the same notes I do. When you go to the app or the website, just give them the full breadth of the notes right there. That's my notes, brothers and sisters. There it is. That's it. You know, it's just the scripture with more scripture. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Scripture with more scripture. And then my job as a teacher is to fill in the blanks. Some people enjoy writing out what they're going to preach. My wife is one of those. You'll just see pages and pages of notes because she's just reminding herself what she's going to say. I don't do that. And uh, I do get off track sometimes. We go on rabbit trails. And hopefully you enjoy that because I also believe that's beneficial. And this is the way I feel that uh, we experience God's presence here. And as I said before, I used to do the same sermon, both services, but I stopped doing that when I got bored, you know. It was like, now I got to work up that sermon again to a different group of people. And I was like, man, why don't I just preach a whole different message? The only downside with that is like a day like today, I am like so hype off the first message. All I want to do is keep talking about it and like talk about a whole bunch of other things, but then they'll miss it because I I, I basically said I was going to come back and, and talk about those things. And the same thing is with you. Last Last week, I left some things hanging because we really only covered two verses. This is all we went over last week. Do not be carried away, verse 9 of chapter 13, Hebrews. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. That's what we talked about for an hour last week. Does anybody remember that? That's what we went through. And there was a lot of meat on that bones talking about food. Think about it. The world wants you to adopt their festivals, their ways of doing things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with Halloween unless you worship a demon and want to be a witch, okay? If you want to be a demon or want to be a witch, then shame on you. You're going to probably go to hell with demons and witches, which, by the way, I want to see witches saved. And demons, it's too late for them, so I rebuke them and stomp on them in Jesus' name. Okay, but listen, if you want to have some candy and have your children dress up as non-evil things, that's between you and the Lord. So the culture wants us to feel like we have to do it. You don't have to do it. By the way, I don't even celebrate Christmas, and that's a supposed Christian holiday, which is arguable, right? So I don't even celebrate that. And then others want to say, you have to come to my birthday party, or you have to come to this uh, wedding party, which, by the way, let me just say this to everybody here. I know I got people who love me and understand this about me. If you invite me to your wedding celebration, probably I won't go. I'm not that guy. I've done a few in my life. Maybe I'll do one or two. I did promise TJ I'll go to his whole thing. (laughs) Whatever he offers, offers, I'm going to, because T, T, uh, TJ's been like a bachelor from the rapture. But uh, there was something, those who don't know, TJ's an awesome young man. And uh, here's, here's the thing. 
At some point, you just get old enough to realize what you like and what you don't like, okay? At some point, I realized doing the bachata, the electric slide, and the running man, you know, if I can even do it, I can. I don't even try. That was it. Wasn't my thing at weddings. So I do the wedding. I love preaching at the wedding. I love doing the you may kiss the bride. It is now my honor to introduce to you. I I love doing all that, but... uh, I'm just not into the ceremonial food of the wedding. Is that okay? Do you guys still love me? Some of you are going to be very disappointed. Joby, he understands. Let's just put it out there. I married them, but I didn't come to the reception. And here's the way I look at it when I say, I'm saving you money. You don't have to pay for me. I mean, that one plate is like $120 for some dried chicken, some rice, and a potato. Trust me, I've been to enough. And, and, somebody, and people always say to me, no, mine's going to be different. No, it's not. It's always the same. It's always the same. Unless you have it catered in, which, by the way, if I could ever do my wedding over again, I would for sure cater in tacos. I'm catering in pizza. I'm just going to have all of my favorite food, soul food from the South, New Orleans, baby, because that's where I used to live. I'm going to have all of that out there, some crawfish, some pole boys, some fried catfish, some pizza, some tacos and that's what I'm going to call a party, okay, if I ever do it again. But I'm not in Jesus' name, amen. Where's my baby boo? She left during this time. But my wife and I, we we to death do us part, amen. Okay, but look at what the Bible says. At that time, there was strange teaching going around the food. And why did they have that in the book of Hebrews? Uh, He had to address it because the Jewish people had a dietary law. For that time and those people in the Old Testament, which is 39 books of your Bible, how many believe all Scripture is God-inspired, God-breathed, useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work? How many believe that? But it's now strange to take their ways of doing things and put it into your life. That's what he's saying there. It is strange to do that. Now look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So it it doesn't matter where people try to force a diet on you, whether it's even Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers, anytime somebody says, you have to eat this to be spiritual, just say, no, I'm not going to do that. And and now you even see vegan activism trying to make you feel bad of eating chickens, and then they show you what's going on behind the scenes. I I don't know. Maybe this is the man in me. Maybe it's the dog in me. I don't know. But when you – that's the lion, really, the lion in me. But I don't get turned off by any of those pictures. Now, some stuff they show me is gross, but I'm still like, yeah, I want to eat that cow. What about this sweet baby little cow? Yeah, that's veal. I'll eat that right now. Are you going to slaughter it? Yeah, I'll slaughter it. Do I have to slaughter it? Do you want me to I'll slaughter the cow. Because here's how I look at it. I look at it like Genesis chapter 1. God gave me dominion over this earth. God gave us dominion. And he said to Noah, after the flood, you can eat whatever you want to eat. So a pig was not created bad. And how many love bacon? Man, I love bacon. We just had some specialty pizzas yesterday, bacon and jalapeno, if you've never tried it. Yo, that's what's up. That is what's up. I know people might be like, oh, that's crazy. That's amazing. I got it leftover. We, we bought so much yesterday. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with the leftover except eat it today. You know, maybe I'll give it away to some of you guys. And if you're ever reheating pizza, man, you got to put it back in the oven. Don't do the microwave. It becomes just a mushy little mess. That crust is all nasty. No, do yourself a favor. And if you feel like it's going to dry out in the oven, just take a little bit of oil or a little bit of water and just sprinkle it on there. I'm just teaching you the secret 
secrets of my people here, you know. Half Italian. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I did work in some Italian joints. My mom was Italian. But sprinkle a little bit of oil on there, a little bit of water, and then put it in the oven. And anyways, you're going to eat it and you're going to enjoy it. I love my bacon. Now, they couldn't eat bacon in the Old Testament. Now, did that mean that the pig in some way was unclean in and of itself? No. So sometimes when people try to defend the Jewish diet, they're like, well, now let's go look at the crustaceans. Let's go look at the crawfish, the lobster, and find something wrong with them. Oh, they're high in cholesterol. Yeah, but they're also low in, in carbohydrates. If you're having just kind of like a fatty diet, that's, that's good for you. How many know there's different kinds of diets? Come on, somebody. Can I hear an amen? So, you know, you try to say, well, it's a little high in cholesterol, but it's also high in protein, okay? That's not why Jesus forbade lobster. Jesus did not forbade pork because it eats garbage and it's dirty. No. Have you ever seen the commercials for the other white meat? Pork? Anybody ever seen those? No? There's a commercial called the other white meat. Go and put it up there as a, as a Google search. Yeah, I know. It's funny. My eye in the back. I love Rudy. He's like, <laughs> it's going to be one of those days. Yes. My brother in the back, it will be one of those days. So, the other white meat, and they teach you all of these wonderful things about pork. How many know pork can be healthy? You don't have to fry every pork chop, okay? But how many like fried pork? <laughs> how many like fried pork chops? How many have ever been to a pig roast and had the whole thing? Man, I love it. And a lot of cultures do that. Puerto Ricans do it. Filipinos do it. Uh, people in the South do it. And I just love it, man. And there is nothing like that pig skin when it just crackles and it just, ah, and there's that little bit of fat on it. You know what I'm talking about, that fat on the pig skin. And it's still there. And it's kind of like you're pulling it off. Like, I'm going to have a little tug of war right now. And it's like, and it comes off. And it's like dangling there, but it's crunchy, but it's moist on the inside. Am I getting lost in this right now? This is for real good. And then I'm telling you, man, you break Break off that ear. Anybody just break off the pig ear? Dude, the pig ear, it's all crunchy right there. It's, like, it's so good. Where am I going with this? Okay, back to this scripture, okay? The pork is not bad in of itself. God did not uh, tell them not to eat pork because it was bad. Another example would be like this. Does anybody here wear mixed cloth? Maybe you got some, uh, you know, some rayon with your cotton today or polyester. Anybody wear mixed cloth? How many know these are mixed cloth jeans? These aren't 100%. These are like those stretchy jeans. How many like stretchy jeans? Dude, I love stretchy jeans, man. Okay, here we go. The other white meat, we got it coming up here. Yeah, so this was a whole thing that they did for pork. The other white meat, does any of this look familiar to anybody? Okay, okay, a few of you in the back. All right, thank you for helping the pastor. Now, thank you, my brother. So why did he forbid it? Why did he forbid those kinds of laws, uh, those kinds of things as his law? Don't eat crawfish or crustaceans. Don't eat pork. Don't mix your fabrics together. Was he doing that, God? Was he doing that because inherently those things are wrong? No, he was doing it to teach them to have a separated and different culture. Everybody say culture. That was their culture. If I said to you right now, describe your culture without using the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the language you speak, or the music you listen to, how many know that's going to be kind of hard to describe your culture? Come on. Most of our ways of describing culture is language, dress, food, and then you would put in there the, the habits of your family and so forth. When you look at the scriptures, that's what he's dealing with in those areas. But the Bible is very clear. Do not let anyone judge you, Colossians 2.16, by what you eat or drink. 
So if you have a problem with me eating pig skin, you have a problem with the Bible now. Can I hear an amen? And I was just watching Indiana Jones again with my children. And if you have a problem with them eating the beetles, the monkey brain, and the snakes, you got a problem. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but in all honesty, if you wanted to eat monkey brain, could you eat monkey brain? Yes. If you wanted to eat snake baby snakes as they're crawling around that table, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. Should I put that up on the, on the screen as well? No, I'm kidding. Gross everybody out. And if you want to eat beetles, should you be able to do that? Yeah, because you can eat or drink whatever you want. But what does the Bible say? You can't get drunk. Now, other people say, what about the sin of gluttony? Gluttony is never seen as a sin. It's seen as an undisciplined life, which can lead to sin. But you'll never see in a sin list the sin of gluttony. So that's just an old tradition. So don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival. Well, don't you know Satanists on Halloween do all of that? Yeah, but I don't. I just get candy. Sorry to disappoint you. I'm not a part of the Samhain religious festival. But somehow they want to put that on you. No, I'm not a part of that. No more than I'm dressing up like a revolutionary soldier shooting my musket on 4th of July. I'm just having a barbecue. Is that okay? Are you guys listening to me? Now, there are some people that take it all across the board. That would be like the Amish or Jehovah Witnesses, certain sectarian groups. Some are called, some are just Christians that are a little bit weird, a little bit strange. They don't celebrate any of it. Okay, good for you guys. But I can celebrate whatever one I want as long as, watch this, I don't contradict Jesus when I do it. Now, if there's somebody else contradicting Jesus when they do it, like let's say my neighbors dress up like a demon and have blood coming down their face during Halloween, they do that, they're sinning against against God because of the thing they're doing, not because of the day, but because of the thing they're doing. Can I hear an amen? But a child dressing up like, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man or something, it's not sinning. They're not worshiping a demon or a devil. Amen? So don't let anybody judge you by those things, nor should I judge you on what you wear for Easter or whether or not you celebrate Christmas. I don't even celebrate Christmas, as I've said before. Or birthdays. Some make a big deal out of birthdays. Others don't. It does not matter. A new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a what? These are a what? Verse 17. These are a, these are a, thank you, a shadow with a shadow. Does everybody see the shadow on the shadow? Everybody go, ooh, that's deep. This might be why we don't get visitors back so often, but everybody just look at this right now. This is a shadow on a what? They, thank you, these are a shadow of the things that were to come, but the reality, however, is found in what? Christ. Think about that. The ideas of Jewish diet were shadows of Jesus. So Jesus is different. Jesus is not like everybody else. The dress code was a shadow of Jesus. The sacrifices were a shadow of Jesus. The celebrations, all of them, from Yom Kippur to the Passover to the Feast of Booths, all of them are a shadow of who? Jesus. The Sabbath rest, the seven-day, wor- uh, the six-day work week with the Sabbath day rest is a shadow of Jesus. The priesthood, the temple is a shadow of Jesus. Seriously, if we went through every Every single law in the Old Testament, we could just say equals Jesus. If I wanted to be a professor and have you guys all get an A, I could literally just make a test where every answer is Jesus. What does the, uh, the table of showbread represent in the holy place? What does the altar of incense represent? 
What does the bronze and altar represent? What does the bronze, bronze laver represent? What does the gate into the temple represent? See, I mean, we could just be here all day. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what Paul teaches us. Now, please go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Everybody say this is a review. Amen. We haven't got to the message yet today. It's all review. So don't be carried away by strange teachings. It is strange for someone to tell you you're not a good Christian if you're not a vegan. That is strange. Don't follow that. It is not good for someone to, and if they want to be a vegan, by the way, go ahead and do that. That's amazing. You can do that. The Bible talks about it. I have it referenced there in Romans 14. You can decide to not drink any alcohol or to drink in moderation. Those are things the Bible gives you. Let's just go there quickly. Romans 14.1. Everybody say disputable matters. Amen. There are disputable matters in the Bible. That means that it's not all black and white, except the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over what? Disputable matters. Now, here's an example of what is a disputable matter. One person's faith allows them to eat what? Anything. That's your Indiana Jones guy. How many people are just like that right now? Like if you showed up into a country and they're eating dog, you're not, you're not going like getting grossed out. Like you're like, serve up Fido, let's go. What are we eating? The leg? What are we doing? The cat? I'm good with that. We're eating a rat? Like, I'm, if we put it over fire, like, I'm, I feel like I'm bare grilled sometimes. If we put it over fire, I can eat it. If I know we're good, we're good. And most of the stuff coming out the ocean, I'll eat raw. When I used to go fishing with my friends, we would always trick them and say, this is a, a thing that you have to do to be a fisherman. And now it became a thing, but before it wasn't a thing. We would just make, make like a little joke out of this. You got to eat raw the minnows that we have, and we have people doing it. I just did this a few years ago when I took out Jose and other guys fishing with me, and they're just, uh, Brian Wampler ate a minnow, you know what I'm saying? And so you just do it. If you want to eat a fish raw, how many like sushi? You can do it. Okay, now watch. You can, one person's faith allows them to eat how many things? How many things? Anything. How many things? anything or everything or, or all things. But watch, another whose faith is weak and they can't eat only, they can't eat meat, they only eat what? Vegetables. Okay, you got weak faith, faith and so you got to be a vegetarian. We still love you. Don't call my faith weak. Okay, well, let's just go through it real quick. Why are you a vegetarian? Oh, because I look at the animals and all that. It sounds kind of weak to me. I know, I know you don't want me to be rude, but it is. It's weak. It's weak in the sense of you can't see yourself as a devourer of meat. You don't see yourself. Did I call them weak or did the Bible call them weak? Why you all get upset with me? Pastor, I know some strong vegetarians. I know there's some dudes that are super strong or women that are super strong. I didn't say they can't beat me up. They can, of course, beat me up. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is their faith is what? Weak. Why is their faith weak? Let's just be honest. Because they look at the animals, they feel compassion for them, they, they don't want to eat it, you know, oh, you know and that's, that's understandable, I get it. And, and sometimes people will even be spiritual about it. They'll be like, well, we were vegetarians in the garden, and at the, uh, you know, the end of the millennial reign, at the new heavens and new earth, we'll go back to being vegetarians. Okay, that's great, but in between, you can eat whatever you want, all right? But they're, oh, but I can't do that. that, that let's just be honest, their faith is what? Weak, and all they can eat is vegetables. Now watch, the one who eats anything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. Okay? So everybody here, listen to me. I'm going to be nice to you if you're a vegetarian. How many know I should be nice to you? 
Come on. But what does it say? Now, what does it say next? And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who what? Who does. So that means you can't be mad at me for wanting to eat a dog. You can't be mad at me for wanting to eat a giraffe. Okay, would you ever be ashamed of me if you see me on the plains of Africa with a giraffe, like after I've killed him, and then now I'm eating him? That poor little giraffe. I'm a lion. I'm a tiger. You know what I'm saying? What do lions and tigers eat, man? They eat these things. I want to eat a giraffe. I want to eat a bear. I want to eat an elephant. Do I want to be cruel to animals? No, but I want to eat everything. But can you judge me? I'm asking you, can you judge me? You can't. Some of you are like, the Bible says I can't, but I'm still going to because I don't like you. I just don't like you. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I have permission, and I don't care. I'm just going to not like you for that. I like giraffes. I like elephants. And how dare you tell me you're going to hunt them and eat them? I actually talked to my friend. My wife is my witness because there's a lot of wild boars in, in Florida, man, and they hunt them down and they eat them, the pig roast, you know, the whole thing. And I said, listen, man, I know you guys got so many there, but would you allow me to do it with a knife? Can I just come on your land and hunt one with a knife? And God is my witness. We were heading back, and he called me. Did he not? Do you remember this? And he called me, and he said, hey, dude, I got you hooked up. You can come on my, my buddy's farm and hunt a boar with a knife. Come on. And I said, dude, you're a day late. A man, I was going to do it. Could you just imagine me like just like prowling? I got like a knife. And then like this video goes viral, like pastor stabbing the boar, cutting his throat, putting it up, eating it. <sighs> Have I stretched your judgment today? I came to church for this. I knew I should have went to that one down the road. What is that one? Free Will Baptist. I'm going there next week. This, I thought it was the church in my neighborhood. No, he's talking about eating the bory hunts. What have we done here? But look at it. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has what? Accepted him. Who are you to judge another person's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Now, before everybody just gets excited and goes, there's my favorite verse. We don't judge anybody. Put it with Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Don't judge anybody. Does the Bible say we don't make judgments? No, we don't make judgments about what? Disputable matters. Do you eat balut? No, do you know what balut is? That's the food of your people. It's a little egg, but it's kind of like still alive, but not alive, but uh, it's like half developed. You know what I'm talking about. I can't wait to go to the Philippines and do that. I, I mean, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You eat balut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, just put a balut on there. Yeah, and it's like a half developed chicken, right? I can't wait to go to the Philippines and eat balut. Matter of fact, let me just say this as my brother turns there real quick. When I hung out with my friend from Korea, and his mother was from Korea, but, I mean, his family was from there. He was uh, raised in America. And his mom actually owned a Korean um, store. This is what my friend said to me. His name was David. He goes, dude, you eat stuff I don't even eat. And you're Filipino. You're a Panay, and you wouldn't eat this. Man, that looks good right there. Okay, let's get it off there before we gross out everybody. Okay. Now let me ask. It's the best. See, what's wrong with you? I judge you. I don't like you. No. 
What does the Bible say? Without quarreling over what? Disputable matters. That's what we don't judge. And then uh, Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7, verse 1, do not judge as you be judged. For the same measure that you judge others by, you yourselves will be judged. See, it's not to avoid judgment. It's not judging hypocritically or over disputable matters. Does everybody get that? Because go to John chapter 7, please. John chapter 7, verse 22, I believe is the verse there, teaches us to judge righteously. What is a righteous judgment? It's over the issues and the things that God has taught us to judge by, not the disputable ones. John 7, 24, stop judging by what? Mere appearances, but instead do what? Judge how? Correctly. So is it right for me to judge you over whether or not you like what Joselito likes, a balut, a half-developed chicken egg? Is it right to judge you over that? But is it right for me to judge you according to having sex before you're married? That's what the Bible teaches. There's the difference. So please go to Hebrews chapter 13, 9. This is still the review. By God's grace, we'll get to more. We'll get to new stuff today by God's grace. And this is what I say to anybody who's like, Pastor, I don't like how you talk about food and giraffes and all these things. How do you want me to explain this? What do you think that looks like in our day and age? You see, in their day and age, the strange teaching was to prohibit people's diet by a Jewish law. Now today, how do they want to prohibit your diet? By their vegan laws. Do you get that? By their humanism, by their uh, idea of a cow is more edible than a giraffe. See, if you don't have my understanding, you will fall to their judgment. There are billboards, and brother, you can look for it, please, and if you find it, put it up. There are billboards that vegans put out that says, where do you draw the line? And their idea is to play on your sensitivities. Well, I wouldn't eat a dog. I wouldn't eat a rabbit. But I'll eat a cow. And then they're like, isn't that you just being indiscriminate? And, it, and they are absolutely right if you judge right or wrong eating based on how cute an animal is. Can I hear an amen to them? Yeah, see, here we go. Let's, let's go to where do you draw the line? No, brother, you just got like a bunch of vegan posters there. No, it's got to be the one that says, where do you draw the line? How do I draw the line? Human, non-human. Can I hear an amen to that? That's the Bible, human and non-human. Go to uh, Genesis, please. That's how we should draw the line, not according to what they think, but according to what the Bible thinks. And then how many know why you pray for food? Okay, we'll be looking at that. But, But how many do pray for their food? I love picking the ones who start eating before they pray, and they got their mouth full of food, and I'm like, Mike, you pray for us now, please. I forgot. Okay, well, we're now going to watch you awkwardly finish your food, and then we're going to let you pray for us, Speedy Gonzalez, because that's what you get. How many like to do that? Am I just the only one? So you like to do that? I always pick out the one just eating it first. You pray for us now. Oops. It's just to tease them. You can still go to heaven without praying for your food. It just won't taste as good. (laughs) Half kid. Go to Genesis. Go to Genesis when he comes off the flood. Genesis chapter 9. This is God. Somebody say what God says. 
It's not what your friend thinks. It's not what I think. It's not what some pastor wearing a three-piece suit thinks or what someone on your Facebook page says. It's what God says. Look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed, Moses, uh, blessed Noah, rather, his son, saying to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. How many know that? You have to do that in a male-female relationship. Okay? And the fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth. So the beasts of the earth are going to fall. The dread on, uh, of you is going to fall on them and on all the birds of the sky and on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your what? They're given into your what? Hands. Now you tell me what's missing in this list right here. The beasts of the earth, the birds of the sky, and every creature that moves along the ground and fish in the sea. Do giraffe move along the ground? Do monkeys move along the ground? Okay. Do sharks and dolphins live in the sea? Yes. You can eat all of them. But now they make all these rules that you can't eat them. Okay, well, keep the cultural rules. But they're all meant to be food for you. You can eat a turtle. You can eat a toad. You can eat a beetle. You can eat a snake. You can eat whatever you want as long as it's not a human. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Everything. How many things? Everything that lives and moves about will be what? Food for you. There you go. There's the Bible. Now, what changes after Noah? What changes when Moses gets the law of the diet? God now says, Israelites, you will have a specific diet. But he also says you'll have a specific dress code. He also says these other things. Now, what does Jesus say about the diet? Go with me now into the book of Matthew, where he declares all foods clean. How many remember that scripture from last week? Amen. Brother, go to the notes. It should have it there. Matthew, someone can point it out for me as I'm getting my notes in front of me. Shout it out once you get it, brothers and sisters. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Mark chapter 7, verse 19. Thank you. Now I got my notes in front of me. I got too excited. forgot to open my notes. Talking about giraffes and all this. But here's the point. I'll tell you what the point is, is how many know veganism is being pretty aggressive right now with people? How many know vegetarianism is pretty, being pretty aggressive? How many know people try to make judgments on Christians? Here's another application about you being inconsistent. Oh, well, you say that homosexuality is wrong because of Leviticus, but you eat lechon. How many have ever heard that? You see, this is the hypocrisy of the world. They don't understand our Bible. Notice what he says. Go to verse 18, please. Look at what it says. Are you so dull? Look at Jesus being nice and friendly with his disciples. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them because it doesn't go into their heart but into their stomach and then out of their body? In saying this, Jesus declared what? Foods. How many foods clean? Foods. That's right, all of them. So let me ask you a question. Tell me where he does that with sexuality. And he says all sexuality is clean. What does Jesus say about sexuality? Has it, is it not written that man was created, or that woman was created for man, and that the two shall become one? That the man leaves his father's, that he, the, the man leaves his, his family's house and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one. And what God joins together, let no man separate. Okay, so now can everybody go to a, a, a debate or a work, uh, you know, lunch disagreement with some ammo? Now you can understand what's going on. Like you should be able to hold your own. 
Like, oh, you're telling me I'm wrong because I'm a lesbian, but you over here are eating pork. Doesn't your Bible say not to do that? Yeah. There was a period of time that it told us not to do that, but there was a period of time before that we could eat whatever we wanted, and now we can eat whatever we want according to Jesus. But there was a period of time he told us not to do it. But guess what, boys and girls? There was never a period of time where God's sexual laws ever changed. Dietary laws changed. Priestly laws changed. How we go to the temple changed. All of those things have been fulfilled and renewed in a new covenant, a 2.0, but the morals of God have never changed. So this is the way we look at it. Not all laws are moral laws. Some laws God gave the Israelites that were cultural laws. The moral laws were held by all communities. Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody get this, in the Old Testament was not set on fire with hailstones from above, fire and brimstone, because they ate lechon or because they wore mixed cloth or because they mixed vegetables in their gardens, which were all cultural laws of the Old Testament. No, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged because of their homosexuality, because of their perversion. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And it's the same thing with Assyria and Babylon. In other words, you'll never see God judge in the Old Testament a nation based on the cultural laws. The nations have been and will always be judged on God's moral laws. And God's moral laws have never changed. Amen. Amen. Going back to Hebrews 13, 9. Don't let people give you strange teachings. You may think, and, and this is why I kind of did the little shock stuff, and it was kind of funny, and we had a good time. Uh, you may think me talking about eating a giraffe is strange, but it's actually strange for you telling me not to eat one. Do you get what the Bible is saying? The Bible is saying for you to tell me not to eat the creatures of the earth, which God literally said I could eat, and that none of them going into the inside, coming out the outside, affect my heart, you telling me that affects my heart is actually strange. That's why I went so, like, you know, outlandish with it, with it eating a dog, a cat, a giraffe, an elephant, because I want you to see it's actually not strange. They're not humans. They are animals that God gave us to eat and to be food for us. If you don't want to eat an eagle, America, great, let's not eat eagles. You don't want to eat dogs? Okay, great, don't eat dogs. But don't tell somebody that it's a spiritual principle not to eat a dog. Don't tell people that's a spiritual principle not to eat a giraffe. That's your personal preference. You chose a bird and said, let's not eat that bird. But we can eat a turkey around Thanksgiving and call it a wonderful feast. Do you see they're the hypocrites? We're not the hypocrites. I'll eat an eagle just like I'll eat a turkey if it was left up to me. Because all birds are food for me. Just like I eat a shark, I'll eat a dolphin. I've eaten many shark. I love shark. They're actually some of the best white meat in the ocean. I love shark. I'll eat a dolphin. But you tell me, the state of Florida, not to eat a dolphin. Okay, I won't eat it. It comes up. One time I was fishing for shark, and guess what I caught? A dolphin. And it came up with this little note. You know, up like that. And I was like, I would love to eat you, little dolphin, but I'm going to cut my line and send you back. But how many know if I could eat the dolphin, I would be good? I would be good. It's strange to tell me if I eat a tuna, I'm good, but I can't eat a dolphin. It's strange to say those are the ways of spirituality. When you know that, you'll understand what is a sin and what is not a sin. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. If you don't get this, you're still in elementary school according to the Bible. And most Christians are in preschool, not even in elementary school. Most Christians, let's just be honest right now, don't even know what I'm talking about. 
Well, I just thought that was the Old Testament. Well, well, then explain why we had an Old Testament. Explain now why the New Testament's different. It's just different because Jesus said so. Why did Jesus say so? It's just, it's just what he wants because he loves us. He didn't love us in the Old Testament. He didn't love no one when he said he, you could eat whatever you want. Brothers and sisters, look at what it says. Same book, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Let us then move beyond elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death or faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Now notice that all of those things have to do with the way Jewish thought. Uh, they went about doing about their religious works. And everybody say cleansing rites. See, cleansing rites had to do with clean and unclean. And he's saying if you don't understand these things or the laying on of hands or of eternal judgment, and go up to the last part of chapter 5, no verses and chapters in the original letter here. Look at what he says. He says up in verse, uh, go to verse 11. We have much more to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you don't want to try to understand. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about what? Teachings about what? Come on, shout it out. Righteousness. Righteousness. But solid food is for the who? The mature who have by constant use trained themselves to distinguish between what? Good from evil. And then it says, thank you, my brother, scroll up. Then it says all of these things. So in other words, if you don't know good from evil, you're still in elementary school. If you don't understand cleansing rites and what is clean and unclean, still elementary. If you don't understand why we're repenting, think about this. Do I have to repent if I didn't go to church on the Jewish Sabbath, yes or no? Yes or no, brothers? No, I do not have to repent. The Sabbath, they go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, because somebody said yes. The Bible says, let no man judge you according to a Sabbath day. Look at it. Let no one judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon or a what? Sabbath day. Can anybody judge me on going to church on a Sabbath day, which is Saturday? Can anybody judge you? Can anybody judge you on what you eat? Or what you drink in moderation. No, according to the Bible, they can't. But they'll try. People will try to pick out certain religious fasts, certain diets, and tell you to keep it. Now, please, go back to that Hebrews passage in chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, what we were just saying there. Can anybody here, uh, Hebrews, yeah, right here. Can, uh, where are we at? Go back up to verse 1. N notice this right here. Can anybody judge you on whether or not you repented for a sin? If you didn't repent of, say, uh, homosexuality, can somebody make a judgment about that? Yes, they can, because it's a sin that leads to death. Is homosexuality a sin that leads to death? Yes. So you can make a judgment. Not that you're their judge, like Judge Judy, I judge you, get out of here. No, no, no. You're making a judgment on whether or not it's right or wrong. Just scroll down just a little bit so everybody can see the context. Just a little bit. That's up, brother. Scroll down. Look at this. Just go up. Not perfect. Just go up a little bit. You were just perfect before. Hold on. You're going the wrong way. Look at my hand. I'm going to do like how you're on the, on the scroll right now. Look at this. Now that you're there, just go like this. Like this. Thank you. Keep going. We're in Hebrews 10. How did that even get up there? Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Just put it in, my brother. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and I want everybody to see it. Hebrews 6, verse 1. I want you to see the context. Sometimes chapters and verses get annoying for me as a preacher because they were never in there. It was just a way for you to know how to get to the Bible. Watch my hand, brother. This way. Go down with me. There you go. Now, you're going too much. I want you to go back up. Right there. Thank you. Now get off the Greek there, please. I want everybody to see this. Solid food is for the who? 
okay, the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between what? Good and evil. Let us then move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, taken forward to maturity. Everybody see up here, you need to be mature? And then let's go forward to what? Maturity. Now, what are those things that are going to be considered elementary that will keep us as an infant? Things that have to do with this foundation. And the first foundation is of what? Repentance from what? Acts that lead to death. The wages of sin is death. So can you make judgments about what is a sin or not a sin? Let's go through it, please, class. Let's go through it. Is it a sin for a woman to wear pants? Okay. Is it a sin for a woman to expose herself to someone that's not her husband? Yes, okay. Is it a sin for a man to have a wife and to enjoy having sex? No. Is it a sin for a man to watch another couple having sex and to have sex with himself? Yes. Now, where do we get those definitions from? The Bible. The Bible gives us those definitions. Go to Galatians chapter 5, please. I'm still in review. i got to get to the message sooner or later today. We might have just a two-parter on this review. Is that okay? Because I, I really want you to get it. Galatians 5, 19 and onwards. And then click it into the Greek. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Now, click it into the Greek right here. Note the other one. To click the button right there. Thank you. Now go to verse 19 for whatever reason. It, yeah, there you go. It changes its thing. Now I want you to notice right here. What is this word? The acts of the flesh are obvious. These are the things that are going to be sins, and you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Sexual immorality. What is this word? Just pronounce it the best way you can, this word. There you go. What does that sound like? There you go. There's your, there's your definition. Jesus said if you lust in your heart towards someone that's not your wife, it's the sin of adultery. So do you understand why we say pornography is sin? It's literally there in our Bible. Impurity. These are things like sexual immorality. So it's not just the pornography, but it's the acting of sexual nature, but you're not married to that person. Debauchery. Idolatry. And we learned about this last week. Everybody say the word for witchcraft, please. Pharmakia. The Bible warns against pharmaceuticals being used in bad ways. You see that right there? Everybody say this word again. Pharmakia. What does that sound like? Pharmacy, drugs, right? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. So you can drink what you want, but it has to be in moderation and according to the laws of your land. Amen? And then it says orgies and of the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. So do we make judgments about that? Absolutely, because if you don't ever make a judgment on a sin, then you're not your brother's keeper. You're not teaching the commands of God. Go to Matthew 28, 19, please. And this is all just in review because we don't make judgments about food. We don't make judgments about religious festivals. Those are strange. What we do make judgments about are the things of God. Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what? Everything I have commanded you. Is it our job to teach the commands of God to people? Yes. And to do that, you must make judgments. But as Matt, and just put it up there again, John 7, 24 said, you do not judge by mere appearances. You judge righteously. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So let me just ask you a question. Am I a good 
or bad pastor based on what I wear today as long as it's a covering me up. Like in other words, if I don't wear a three-piece suit, am I a bad pastor? And if I wear a three-piece suit, does that make me a good pastor? So that's judging by appearances, right? But if I cheat on my wife, am I a good pastor? No. Now, if I'm cheating on my wife, does it matter now what I wear? Of course not, because it's not the outside, it's the inside. That's why people who come to a church like this are so thrown off, because this church does not make it about our appearances. We sing songs, we love Jesus, we give to the work of the ministry, and and then we learn the Word of God. Think about what you've already learned here today. You've literally learned out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, not to have people judge you on what you eat. When was last time, outside of a good Bible teaching church, you even read Hebrews to understand what he was talking about there? That's my job to help you do. I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm just saying I'm doing my best. Hebrews chapter 13. 13 verse 9 is teaching you don't let people judge you on those things. Now go back to those notes, please. And what's the next thing that it says? In verse 10, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. We learned about this last week, and I don't think we need to get into more review here. But at that time, the Jewish priests were around. This is before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And these Christians are looking at their home church. Most of them are meeting in the homes. And they're looking at this massive temple that's going on in their day. Just uh, click on here uh, the word um, uh, carries there. Let's go to carries. I want you to see what the Herod's temple looked like. As a matter of fact, most people think that Herod's temple, click on these images. This guy made a, uh, a, a 1 to 100 scale. Uh, no, get out of there, my brother, please. There's a link right there. He made a 100 scale, uh, 1 to 100 scale of the, uh, the temple of Herod, and they say it was one of the wonders of the world. Now, I want you to think about this. You're a Christian at this time, and you're looking at, if we don't break the Internet, you're looking at this magnificent temple, and you're now going to a church, and what you see is just your brother or sister sitting in their house, okay? So imagine this. How many think that looks pretty amazing? This guy made this one to 100 scale. It has taken him 30 years, okay? Now just stop right there. That's him with the scale of it, right? But think about this. Think about how amazing this temple is, and now where are you at If you're a Christian, when the book of Hebrews is being written, you're in somebody's house, okay? And now you have Jewish people telling you, you better go to this temple. You better go here. You better enter into these gates. And women, you were only allowed here. And then you better become a Jew so that you can go further in there. And then you better make sure you're a Levite because then you can handle and do stuff. And then out of the Levites, you better make sure you're picked to be a priest. And then out of the priests, you better make sure you're the high priest. And then if you're the high priest, you better make sure you've done everything you can do because you can only go there once a year into the Holy of Holies. Doesn't sound as fun as what? We're doing now, but imagine that back then. They didn't see everything we see now. And they're starting to get tempted to go back to that. Going back to our notes, please. I have have the link there for you guys. When you look at Hebrews, what is it teaching you? You're actually better off than them. Think about it. You're better off than them because for them, they can only go there once a year if he's the high priest. But you, notice this, but you have an altar from which those who minister at that tabernacle have no right to eat. There is a segregation in the church, but it's not based on color. It's not based on skin. It's based on sin and whether or not you've been born again. 
the segregation is between saints and ain'ts. And if you ain't a saint, you can't take our communion. Well, I'm a Jewish high priest. No, you can't take our communion that way. But I'm a part of another religion. No, you can't. But you can if you do one thing. you got to repent like we did. You've got to repent of your sin. You cannot come. See, think about it like this. Jesus is 100% exclusive and inclusive at the same time. It's not a contradiction. A contradiction is like this, a married bachelor. You cannot be both at the same time if they mean what they mean. If marriage means to be married, bachelor means to be single, you cannot be a married bachelor. How many hear that? Okay? But you can have Jesus be exclusive and inclusive at the same time because you have to define what those words mean. What is he exclusive about? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. What is he inclusive about? God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. Do you all get that? So exclusive if I'm not a Christian, inclusive if I want to be one. If you are not a Christian, you will not eat at our, at our uh, communion, and you will not eat at the Lamb's Supper. Jesus is going to come and have a supper, and he is going to bless this earth. We're going to eat the finest of foods, the greatest of wines, the Bible says, and reign with him for a thousand years. If you are not a Christian, you will not participate in the feast of God. But how many of you want to be a Christian or are a Christian? Amen. Now live like one, because that's the great privilege that you have. Amen. In the last few minutes that we have, let's go through these verses we didn't get through last week. I tried, Brother Joby. I tried. I know we're at verse 11 now, brother. You're doing great in the back. If we could scroll down, please. Everybody say, High Priest. This is what I wanted to talk to you today about, but I don't have much time. But the time that I have, I want to honor it to get into these verses. And hopefully next week I won't have to review anymore. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. First thing, is Jesus a high priest? Yes, according to the uh, scriptures we've already read in Hebrews, he's a, he's a high priest according to Melchizedek or Aaron, according to the Bible. Which one? Melchizedek, because he doesn't come through the lineage of Aaron, correct? So he's not a Levite, he's a Judite. But there's an exception for those who come from Melchizedek. And so God made an exception for Jesus to be a high priest through Melchizedek, and it was prophesied during the time of David. But guess what? Jesus is more than just a high priest. He's also the offering. Everybody get this. Jesus, as the high priest, offers himself as a sacrifice to the Father. Jesus did not have to die on the cross to be God. Sometimes people think it's Jesus as a man giving himself in sacrifice to becoming a God. The story of the crucifixion is not a man becoming God. It is God becoming men, a man so that men might be reconciled to God. Athanasius said it like this, God became what we are so that we might become what he is. Jesus became a man that men and women might become sons and daughters of God. Think about it. Jesus not only 
is the high priest. He offers himself. And when you go to the book of Revelation, you see him there at the altar, the very altar that people don't have a right to come to unless they're a Christian. Can I hear an amen? Go to Revelation chapter 4 and see the place of Jesus at the throne. How many believe Jesus is at the throne right now? After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. The voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. And notice all of these wonderful things happening before the throne. And there's creatures up there very similar to what we saw in Isaiah. All of these wonderful creatures are flying around the throne. Look at verse 8. And they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And with all of these things, uh, the living creatures and the 24 elders, elders around the throne worship the one who sits on the throne. Everybody say, that's God. Amen. Now go to chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, with sealed, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming to, with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals, to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth was able, or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said, to me, do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And now watch. How do we now see the lion of the tribe of Judah? Then I saw a what? A lamb. He's a lion and he's a lamb. The lion became a lamb. He has always been a lion. You all tracking with me? He's the lion of Zion, but he wasn't always a lamb. He was always God, but he didn't always have flesh. He came in the flesh to be the lamb. Remember when John saw him, John the Baptist, he said, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is to us. There I saw a lamb looking as it had been what? Slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And we'll get to the description of the lamb having the spirits of God all over him. But now watch what begins to happen. Remember when you said it was God who was worshipped by the living creatures, by the elders? You remember that? Now guess who else begins to get worshipped? And verse 8, and when he had taken it, the four, this is that scroll, he had taken it, the four living creatures and the elders fell, 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. That's where they get the idea of a harp being in heaven. You don't become a naked baby with wings and a harp, but you can have a harp. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. You're not going to be naked, a little cherub like they call those. Those are not cherubs. Those are make-believe creatures like what Guela has in her bathroom, okay, or the fountain in her garden, okay. That's not what's going on. But you will have a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seal because you were slain, and with your what? With your what? Blood you purchased for God, persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. There is no such thing as racism in the Bible. It's one race, the human race, and you're either born again or you're not, sinners or saints. So I'm not, I'm not looking for an Italian Savior. I'm not looking for a Polish Savior. Thank God. I am looking for the God-man Savior who came to save the world. And it doesn't matter, by the way, what color he is as long as his blood was red for me. 
You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. That's what I was talking about in first service. We're not going to heaven very long, folks. We're coming back to rule and reign with Christ on earth. And then guess what happens after all of that? Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They said, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And then look at verse 13. Look at the praise of God. To him who sits on the what? And to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. You see, the same worship that the Father gets, now we know that was the Father because he's not the Lamb, is the same worship the Son gets. That's why we are Trinitarian, because we worship Father, Son, and then if you go to Revelation 21, we worship the Holy Spirit, the river that flows from that throne of God. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and first earth had passed away. There was no longer a, 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 any, oh, excuse me, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, that's the city, by the way, that we're looking for. We'll get to Revelation 21 in just a moment. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of what? Of life, as clear as, clear as crystal flowing from where? The throne of God and of the Lamb. How many thrones does the Father, Son, and Spirit have? One, but there are three persons who share that throne. Does everybody see that? Sometimes people try to confuse you, and they try to say, well, if you're Trinitarian, who do you pray to? You pray to the Father, the Son, the Spirit. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. How hard is that for you to understand? Then the other thing that they ask is, when you go to heaven, will you just see Jesus or the Father? You will see Jesus at the right hand of his Father on that throne that the river of life flows through. That's heaven on earth, baby. Is that hard to understand? Don't let people try to confuse you with the, the confusion they have of their own misunderstanding of the Trinity. The Trinity is a divine revelation to understand our God is one in nature, three in person, and he has been ever since the beginning of all time and for all eternity past. Let us make man in our image. Amen. God is triune in nature. And there you see the Father, Son, and Spirit. But go back to our notes quickly, please, as you learn about this city. Notice it. Notice it. It says Jesus is the priest and he's the sacrifice. And he's not done in the temple, which was in the heart of the city. He's put outside like the waste. Remember we talked about the, the animals, how we can eat whatever we want? Well, when it was days of sacrifice, you couldn't eat whatever you want. We can now, but they couldn't. And so they would take the blood and the prized portions of the animals, offer it to God, and give it to their priest. Then the parts that they didn't want, the head, the tail, the legs, the intestines, they would take to the outside of the city, outside of their gates, and they would burn it up out there. And what it was to show them was the difference between what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Guys, when the new city comes, heaven is where we're at on earth with God, and outside the city is hell. Jesus went to hell for us, suffered our punishment so we can go to heaven with him. But if you do not have Jesus and his sacrifice, you will remain in hell for your own punishment outside of heaven. Whew. Some of y'all want me to go back to Noah's Ark and telling you to build an ark in your bathtub and teach your children about two-by-twos? Or do you want to learn about a city and outside of a city? Come on, do you want to learn about heaven? Do you want to learn about hell? Do you want to move on from the elementary things? Come on.
I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to say it slow. And whether you say, oh, that's cool, Pastor. I don't care. I just need more of you to look at me to show me you got this. Everybody get this. Sacrifice in a holy place that is in the temple in the heart of the city. The prized portions were put there to honor God. The parts that they did not want were taken outside of the temple, outside of the city gate, and burned. Jesus, as the high priest and as the sacrifice, offers himself to Jesus and the, uh, to the Father, rather, the prized portions of every good thing he did on that cross that we celebrated in communion. But then he descended into hell. And there in hell, didn't get burned up literally, but he saw the suffering of the people. And there he delivered the saints of old who were in a place called Sheol. A little more detail here. They weren't suffering, but they weren't yet in heaven. And then he pimp slapped the devil who was in charge of that place, took death, hell, and the grave, the keys, the authority of that place, and ascended into heaven to bring us now with him to that holy place, which was and always will be in heaven. The one on earth was just a model. Those who now do not accept Christ cannot go into the holy place of heaven to dwell with him. They will be on the outside bearing the disgrace of their own sins in hell. Are you ready to see that now in the Bible? It says it here, but now I'm going to give it to you clearly. Let's go to Revelation 21. Everybody say there's a city. Okay, there's a city coming and the new temple of God will be there. Point to where you think the new temple is right now. It's yourself. This is a head start. And you will be in the new city as the temple of God. You guys ready for this? Should we play some soft music, Lawrence? Let's play some soft music. Let's help him out right here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the what? I saw the what? The holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among them, and he will dwell with them. Now watch, he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Are you with me? Okay, now keep going down. Verse 6, he said, it is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. That's the Holy Spirit. We learned that in John. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts and the idolaters and all liars will be consumed to what? A consigned to what? The fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is what? This is the second death. Now, go to Revelation chapter 22. I don't have time to read all of the other things. This is the, the, the rest of Revelation 21 is the measurement of that city. Revelation 22, we just saw the throne, right? And we saw the, the river of life coming from the throne, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit, uh, 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God, and of who? The lamb will be in the what? The city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Everybody getting tattoos of Jesus, amen. There will be, don't just, so don't make fun of Post Malone because he got t face tattoos. You all about ready to get tatted up too. Amen. 
<laughs> I'm not trying to promote face tattoos. I'm just saying you're going to get tatted and have it all over your head in Jesus' name. Um, just to read it again because some of you don't believe me. No longer will there be a curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in that city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their what? Foreheads. There will not be any more night. There will not be a need of a lamp or of the light of a lamp or the sun. The Lord God will give them light and they will reign with him for how long? forever and ever. But hold on. We got to talk about those outside the city again, don't we? But before we do, let me just show you where the temple is. Let me show you where the temple is. Go to 21, uh, Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its what? Its temple. Wow. So you pointed to yourself, but I thought it says he's the temple. What if I told you in the kingdom of God, you and Jesus become like this? Your body becomes his body. You are now in the body of Christ. Hello. And the Bible says your body is the temple of God, but here it says he's the temple of God. It's because we share the body now. We're engrafted, as the Bible literally says, into Christ. How many know that? Go to, just put another tab in there, 2 Corinthians 3.16. 2 Corinthians 3.16, just so you don't think I'm making it up on the fly. Sometimes people find, find uh, contradictions. Oh, 1 Corinthians 3.16, rather. Sometimes people find contradictions. No, it's compliments. You have to know how to read the Bible to understand the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are what? God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells where? In your midst. Go back to the Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb is its temple. Contradiction? No, because you and God are this close right now if he's in your Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's in your spirit, right? But on that day of your resurrection and you're upon the earth, where one stops and one starts, I believe will be hard to tell because the Bible literally says we will be one with him. If I brought you to the sun right now, gentlemen, and I said, show me where the sun, the burning gas, stops and where the rays of the sunlight begin. Could you find that? The sun, as it burns and consumes the gases to the light of the rays, could you show me where one stops and one starts? That's what the Bible says when it means, when it, when it says we are in him as our triangle that people try to say we're Illuminati is we actually had it before them. But what it means is we're that close. Okay, now go to Revelation 22. You guys ready for hell? Lake of fire? Because we heard about the city. We heard about the temple. What about those outside? Go to Revelation chapter 12. Uh, chapter 22, verse 12 rather. And you're doing great, brother, in the back. Thank you for helping me today. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. That comes back, by the way, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside the city, outside are the dogs. Be careful when you call somebody a dog. You might be calling them a sinner. Outside are the what? The dogs. Those who practice magic arts. The sexually immoral. The murderers. The idolaters. And everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Going back to our passage today in Hebrews 13. Hopefully you enjoyed your Holy Ghost aerobics. How many worked the word today? Amen. You worked it. 
You put in work. I pray that it will bless you now as you go out into your world. But notice this. In closing, do not let people judge you by their strange teachings about food and diet. You belong to God and can eat from a place that they who are outside of God have no right to eat. Those of you here who are like me, aware of your sin, understand that Jesus is both your high priest and your sacrifice. Now here's where I need you to get it. This is the elementary, and I don't mean this insulting because it's all good to learn this. There are some things in life I learn at, at the high school level. There are things I learn at the elementary level, some even before that, because five years old is not an elementary school. But I'll ask my chat AI, and I'll be like, can you please explain physics to me like I'm five? Well, there's the big ball, and it rolls down the street. There's a force there, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get it. Now let's go to like I'm nine, you know? Seriously. But I'm, I'm, I want everybody to hear this. You need to learn this. I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it slow so that everybody can get it. Jesus came as a high priest to offer up his blood in the holy place of heaven to uh, to the Father for us. To do that, there is a part of his mission that was in heaven, and it was glorious, and it was amazing. Another part of his mission was outside where the dogs are. And in the grave, he went there on our behalf. Some theologians go so far to say he suffered in hell. No, no, no. He went to hell but did not suffer. Are you all tracking with me? He went to that place of torment. And he saw those, Peter says, who had even been there from Noah's generation, and he spoke his judgment to them. But then he saw, like Abraham, in his bosom, the Bible says, he saw those who were righteous. Remember in hell, Lazarus could see Abraham. You remember that? That's in, the, that's in this time period. Jesus went to that place where the righteous were, and he delivered them out of that place. Now, today, if you do not have Jesus, can I have some water, please? As your high priest and as your sacrifice. Thank you getting choked up, but I'm not crying. How many know it's a little bit of allergy season right now? My wife always calls it spring and fall, man. Lord, help me get this out. If you do not have Jesus, if I do not have Jesus as my high priest and as my sacrifice, I will be outside of the city gate and I will go to hell. And there will be no redemption for me because he already went there to pay that price for me. So if I reject him now, there is no second or third chance. Does everybody get that? The penalty of sin and of judgment was placed on Jesus. And he bore it for us. Now, Instead of going to hell outside of the city, we now can go to the enduring city. Highlight enduring city, please. We don't have it now. Everything we have seems to break and fall apart. Enduring city, please. Everything we have seems to break and fall apart. But we have one coming. Now I want you to get this. 
What is the name of this church? What does the word metro mean? Did you know you went to a church that's prophesying this city? Highlight looking for the city. But we are looking for the city. If I asked you before you walked into this church, how many of you are looking for a city that will endure forever? Would you have checked yes instead of no? Most people would say, I'm looking for heaven. That's not what you're supposed to be looking for. Heaven is great, but heaven is like the condo at the beach. It's fun to visit, but it's not your house. The condo at the beach is not your house. The beach house is not your house. Your house is where you're at every day. You and I are only going to be in heaven like they are in vacation at the beach, on vacation. Heaven is not your home, and being, everybody get this, a disembodied spirit is not your natural habitat. You are not meant to be separated from your body. That is because of a curse that came on us, and now God has given us a temporary solution. When you die, there is a mansion waiting for you, but that is not your eternal dwelling. Your eternal dwelling is a resurrected body where you will feel like you have gone from a caterpillar to a butterfly and you will love the skin you're in because it's the resurrection skin of Jesus. Then with that new body, you will rule and reign with Christ in a city on this earth where there is not a natural temple, but the people of God are the temple with the Father and the Son in the river of life. That is our hope. And when you have that, brothers and sisters, you will not be deceived by religion. Hey, man, come to my conference. Buy my book. Okay, if it's so awesome, why don't you give it away? Because the last time I checked, the Bible's free. In this book, what, this is why I always mess with my friends. They fall for it every time. I have two ways I mess with them. First way, when they talk about their books. Man, God just gave me a revelation. Man, I was writing it down all day. It, it was God who gave it to you? Oh, yeah, it was God. You sure it was God? That's how I mess with them. I asked them like four or five times. You sure it was God? Oh, it was God. I know it was God. And, and then you wrote it down. Yeah, I wrote it all down. You going to charge it for it? You going to charge for it? You going to pay? Make people pay? Yeah. Who's the author if it was all God? I thought the Bible said freely you receive, freely give. If you, if you want to receive a book and give a donation, yeah, we have that here. But if you can't afford to take it, I'd make them free online, over 20 bucks. I've written two more in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to put them out. But listen to me. I love talking to them like that. Oh, it was God. It was God. But here's my charge for it. Hold on. If it was God, I thought he was giving it away. You see, friends, you won't fall for religious shenanigans when you know who you are and whose you are. The second thing you will not fall for is stupid religion. Well, I like going to a church where there's a bigger stage and then there's a stained glass instead of brick. Okay, that's cool. That's your preference. I wouldn't mind it if you, if you want to give it to me before they sell it to a mosque. If you want to give it to a church of Christ, you backslidden denomination before you sell it to a theater production company. They started affirming homosexuals, and that was the first sign. When they put the rainbow flag on their sign, I said, it won't be just a little while until they close those doors. Charging us to want to go to the, uh, the gym. And I said, do you not understand? These are kids from the neighborhood, you spiritual oompa loompa. 
Look at right now. Put it into Google search. How many churches have closed in Chicago? I believe it's a thousand. Catholic churches closing down, becoming bars, yoga centers, skate parks. And yet you still have people. Nothing against a mega church. We want 100,000. But we're not going to have a mega mess and then say, look what God did. Oh, God did it? Yeah, God built our church. Okay, God did it? Well, then why are you all in debt? Why do you take three offerings? And why is this guy sleeping with his girlfriend, not his wife? And you all still put up with it. Oh, because that's the bishop. That's the When Willow Creek, Bill Hybels was having the inappropriate relationships, and they had that mega mess out there in Barrington, the, the word on the street was in the church, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it because we're too big to fail. If, if, if Bill goes down, then we're all going to look bad. No, it's better for Bill to repent and humble himself and us close the doors and give it to a good church than to hide sin in this place thinking that's our home. My home is not a backslidden church or some pastor who wants to manipulate authority and pretend he has something. That's why a lot of pastors don't like hanging out with me. Thank you. Major overhaul. 123 churches. Look at this. 57 across the diocese will no longer be used. And then you put the Presbyterian, all these denominations, hundreds if not thousands. When you understand what your city is, you will not fall for some building fund. And it's great to give to building funds. We have a building fund. But you will not fall for this being the kingdom. This building is not the kingdom. This stage is not the kingdom. This carpet is not the kingdom. We need to get ready for that kingdom. That's why we go preach. So I asked my friends, if God built the house, why are you still in debt? Why is your whole church messed up? Why is your worship team in sin? Why don't you ever go out and preach the gospel? Why is everything a conference and a concert? I love talking to my friends about this. Oh, how, how big was your offerings? Because they always like talking about noses and nickels. How many people sat in the pews and how much they gave in the buckets? Oh, what was your budget last year? Whoa, and I always make the noises from, whoa, that was your budget. God sure was good. How much did you use preaching the gospel? I'm not talking about Sunday at the movies, propagating movie sets on their, on their pulpits. I'm not talking about your radio or TV ministry who you've led to the Lord across the airwaves. I'm talking about how much have you spent on the west side? How much have you spent on the south side? How many times have you preached in front of the abortion clinic? How many high schools have you adopted and are planted out there before their schools or during the time of after school? And then you listen to them. Oh, well, 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 we're just not called to do that. So you're, so you're telling me you read in the Bible, I'm called to build a church with a fountain, but you're not called to go preach the gospel in front of a high school? What city are you looking for? And yet one after the other, they fall for it. Why? Because if we can get a little bit of gold here, if we can get a little bit of affirmation here, if we can get Oprah Winfrey to put us on her show there, and if we can get some people over here to think we're really awesome and the mayor give us free garbage pickup, then we will compromise our citizenship. Now, if I can have both, I'll do it. If the mayor wants to give me free garbage pickup, yeah, I would like to stop paying $200 a month for it. But the first word I have to the mayor is not give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. It's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Stop your corruption, stop your perversion, and stop affirming things like abortion and sin in our city.
Now, if you still want to give us free garbage pickup, that would be awesome. Hey, this is what pastors told me. I'm telling you guys, pastors are some of the weirdest people I've ever met. That's why I don't like hanging out with many of them. I love pastors, but I'm just telling you they're weird. Do you know that pastors will all come together in pastor meetings to give out mayor awards? They will literally come together and say, the pastor association wants to give this award to the mayor. And the mayor is not going to turn down an award from the pastor association. So the mayor will come to receive the award from the pastor association. I'm not giving the mayor an award. I'm giving him a rebuke and my prayers. I'm going to do both. But I'm not giving him an award so he can show up. Are you listening? Somebody say, we have a city, but it's not this one. Our city is a holy city. Come on, our city is a holy city coming from heaven, and it never ends. There's a temple there, but it's not what you think. It's me with my God. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on. I'm waiting for that city. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Father, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your mercy upon this land, O God. We pray, Father, in this time of closing, O God, that we will get our eyes off of ourselves, that we will stop paying attention to religious traditions that are strange and do nothing for our hearts because only your grace can change us, O God. And I pray, O Lord, we will stop looking for earthly treasures to find our validation starting in the church and into our lives. Lord, I pray that our greatest boast won't be our 401k, that our greatest boast won't be our promotion or our CEOs or our jobs or our entrepreneurship, but our greatest boast will be supporting and building the kingdom of God. Father, I pray for every church that I've mentioned, every leader that I've spoken about. I pray for repentance in the house of God and for revival to come and for the city of God, oh Lord, to be what we're looking for. If you're not yet a Christian, Joe B. preached a great message, but you can do it again now. Accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's the king of that city. If you're not a Christian, repent of your sins now, but the rest of us raise up your hands and say, I'm looking forward to that city, Jesus. I'm looking forward to dwelling with you forever. Help me to populate it. Come on, let's plunder hell and populate heaven. I'm looking for a city whose maker is God whose gates are wide open for the nations to come. I'm looking for a city where every nation, tribe, and tongue worships around the throne of the Father and the Son as the river of life goes through that city. Come on, sing it out in your heart, whatever the Lord gives you, Des, as we worship right now in closing. If you need prayer for your life to be right, to make it to that city, you can come up now. If you're going through hardships, come on forward. We'll dismiss in a moment. If you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, come on up. But for the rest of us, come on, let's worship. Before we go, set your hearts on a city to come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you ready for the new Jerusalem? Jesus, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. This is not about diet. This is not about religious festivals. This is about Jesus.